Let's give Jesus a hand of praise this morning. How many of you believe that you were made to worship? We were created to worship God. The Bible tells us that. I want to thank the praise team for that song. It reminds us of the reason why we gather here this morning and every Sunday is to worship God. It's the reason for which we were made. So over the past few weeks now, we've been seeing Jesus deal with his disciples, preparing them as he awaited his departure for heaven. And so two weeks ago, we talked about heaven, reminding his disciples that this calling together of all of them is not just a momentary thing as they were thinking it to be. He cautioned them and reminded them that they had a glorious future that awaited them up in heaven and that his coming to the earth was not just for a temporal moment. And we emphasized that sermon looking at heaven and what the anticipation of going there is all about. Last week, he told them about why they need to still be joyful regarding his departure. And the reason why he said they needed to be joyful was because another advocate would be there or was coming who will not just be there but would be with them and be in them and would not leave them alone. He said to them, you will not be left alone, you will not be left often as orphans. All of this was intended to comfort and encourage them on this Christian journey that he was sending them to go and carry out. These are the two things that we need to have every day as we walk this pilgrim journey. Every Christian needs to have comfort and courage as we live and, and have our being. This life has the tendency to beat us down with many things. But the two things that we need to always have are comfort and courage. The evil one, number one goal is to always make us discomforted and, and, and about life and discourage us about God. That's his two main reasons why he exists and carry on his acts among humanity is to make us discomforted about life and to discourage us about God. But Jesus, knowing this, doesn't only encourage and comfort his disciples, but he also prays for them. Jesus teaches us that exhortation and prayer are two very essential elements of a vibrant Christian life, exhortation and prayer. That's why it is true that we need to encourage each other. It is obvious that we need to pray for each other. And he gave us this example as we see him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that's called intercession. Jesus is interceding for everyone. He's interceding for his disciples and also for us because in the prayer he mentioned that this uh, prayer is not only for them who are here now, but for those who are going to come after them. And so this prayer affects all of us this morning in some way or the other. So Jesus prays for them. He teaches them 
how important it is. And that's why it is true that we need to encourage one another. It is obvious that we need to pray for each other. And this is why our church sees it necessary on every Wednesday evening to gather on the prayer line and pray for one another and pray for the church as well. So he's interceding and he is advocating for them as he prays. Standing there for them because he know, knows how hard life gets sometimes. There is a saying that goes like this. When life gets too hard to stand, you get on your knee, right? Uh, but then there's another saying that says, when life brings you down on your back, the only thing that's left to do is to look up. But let me let you know that there are other times when life will push you against the wall so hard that it becomes difficult to stand or kneel or lay down or do anything. And you have been there before because we all have experienced some of these kind of situations where you're going through a problem that makes it difficult to even pray. And this is the reason why it is needful and important that we pray or intercede for one another. It is a very important thing because life can push you against the wall to a point where you don't have the strength to even call the name of the Lord. And that's why intercession becomes an important thing. And all of us have been through these kind of situations. Tell somebody to help you in prayer when you need prayer. Quit handling it alone. Prayer works. I must let you know, prayer works. Tell somebody, pray for me when you are going through a problem. And when somebody tells you, pray for me, take the person's prayer seriously. Many times we tell folks, you know, I'm going to keep you in my prayers. And we walk away and forget that we said that we would keep them in our prayers. And so we need to take note of that and take the situation that a person is going through at a given time very important because they take it very important. And they came to you and shared it with you and said, please remember me in your prayer. No matter how uh, 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 light that situation might seem to you, it is very heavy for that person. So let's take people's prayer seriously as they ask us to pray for them. Peter is in prison in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. And the Bible tells us that the apostles, uh, uh, Paul prayed for the church at Colossae. The Colossians, he prayed for them in, in Acts 1 verse 9. He says, we have not ceased to pray for you. And that there was a constant prayer going on for that church because the church was going through a situation. Paul was in prison and the Bible tells us that the church was at home praying for him. And God worked a miracle through their prayers. He entered that prison and released Paul from prison, breaking off the chains from him and letting him out of the prison and taking him through those uh, gates outside of the prison and when he went back to the house where they were praying the folks saw him and they could not believe it they thought he was a ghost because he was in prison sentenced to death and God took him out of that situation because people prayed for him it is very important for us to remember to pray for one another when God's people pray and take the things of earth to the doors of heaven mighty things happen on earth when we pray so here in our gospel text this morning, Jesus, the chief shepherd 
also becomes a chief intercessor in this uh, situation. He is interceding not only for those who were his associate at the time, but he also intercedes for us today. And for those who will come after us, it is called the high priestly prayer. That's the prayer he's giving. And do you know that even right now, while Jesus is in heaven, he is interceding for us? The Bible says he is sitting on the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And that's what he does. That's one of his chief uh, work, chief, uh, chiefly work in heaven, is to intercede for the church and for you and I as we're going through situation down here on the earth. He is up there and he is remembering us. This is Jesus just before the time of his death in the Garden of Gethsemane praying this prayer. Worrying about everybody else and he takes the time to pray for them. Can you imagine that? This is even encouraging to know that you can pray for others while you are somewhere deep in some deep problems. You can still pray for others. Jesus is in this deep situation. He is about to go and face the cross. But even in the face of this deep problem that he faced with, here he is at the, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane on his knee, praying and sweating and praying and crying to God for us, for the church. So let's look at four important or three important focuses of this prayer this morning as we go through it. Jesus, the first thing Jesus' prayer had an upward focus. Let's look at the focus that his prayer had. His prayer had an, uh, his prayer had an upward focus. In John 17, verses 1 and verse 4 reads, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that you, your son may glorify you. Now notice how Jesus began his prayer by expressing a desire to glorify the Father. This was the focus of his earthly ministry while he was on the earth. The one purpose of glorifying his Father was the purpose that he looked up to as he did his ministry work on the earth. His whole desire was to do the will of the Father. And over and again in the gospel, you see him say words like, my will is to do the will of the one who sent me. And over and again, he said that because that was his number one purpose for coming. And we find it in the prayer that he prayed as he says, glorify, I glorify you, glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. The purpose is that, that you may be glorified. When we stand up and do the will of God, the desire or sole purpose for doing it must be so that God will be glorified in the process. The prayer team does not stand there and sing so that we will look at them and glorify them, but it's so that God will be glorified in the purpose. When Charles Kikoski plays on the organ, he is not doing it so that he would be glorified, but so that the Lord will be glorified through his ministry. When I stand up and proclaim God's word on Sunday mornings, the reason why I preach is not so that I would be glorified, but so that the name of the Lord would be glorified. That should be the number one reason why we do church, the number one reason why we come into fellowship. That should be the number one reason why we serve God. It is so that his name would be glorified. Father, he says, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Father, he says, glow through me. 
He's telling his father to glow through him so that when people see him, would admire his ministry. But as they admire what he does, the father is being glorified through that process. And that should be the desire of every Christian. Oh, how God longs for us to have an upward focus in our ministry, caring about heaven's agenda as we do God's will. That's God's one and only desire that we will begin to focus heavenward and pray heavenward. And I think this should be our prayer today for Jesus asks us to have an upward focus in prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we prayed in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know that God has a will for every person sitting in church this morning? He has a plan for every life in this sanctuary this morning. And the desire for your life is different from everybody else's desire. And God's plan to bless you is, is, is just designed for you alone. Nobody else benefits from that. If you don't tap into it, it is not used. Sometimes we spend time looking at other people's lives and seeing how the lives are elevating and how God is using them in some kind of way. And we sometimes get jealous about it. But I come to let you know this morning that God has a plan for everybody's life. And that plan is with him in heaven. No one has the plan for your life. God has it. And so we need to tap into heaven and tap into the prayer and tell God glorify me so that your name may be glorified here on the earth. So we talk about how Jesus' prayer had an upward focus. Let's look at how his prayer also had an inward focus. In John 17, verses 1 through 5, reads, Father, the hour has come, Jesus prays. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who have given, you have given him. <clears throat> now, he says, this is eternal life, that they know you and the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you give me to do. And now, Father, he says, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world begun. Look, he prayed for assistance here in this prayer. The hour has come. Speaks of his brutal punishment on the cross. Jesus is about to go on the cross. He says the hour has come. And here is Jesus focused in war at this point. He's focusing on what is happening now. What is about to go down. So first, the prayer was shifted upward. Now it is shifted inward. He's looking at what is happening around him and is praying for this situation that is ahead of him that he's about to face. He prays, glorify the son. He's praying that his most humiliating circumstance brings glory to his father. And, 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 and oh, how I wish that God's people would pray the same during difficult moments. That we would pray that God would be glorified in our difficult times. Sometimes we think that the God that we serve is always going to just take us out of problems, take us out of those burdens. But sometimes he wants us to walk through it. And as we're walking through it, we need to remember that whatever comes out of it will bring glory and honor to his name. We should always remember that. We see this in the story of Job. Job was tormented by the devil. 
The Bible says he lost everything that he had, including his children and everything that he ever worked for or earned. And he was left to die. The devil put sores all over his body and made him sick to die. And his wife looked at him and said, why don't you curse God and die? And Job's response was, even though he slay me, yet I am going to trust him. Can we say that when we're going through difficult times and trust that God is going to take us through? The apostle Paul went through his own moments too when he was doing his ministry and got persecuted several times for the sake of the gospel. But he continuously persevered through and did the works and will of God. Let us try to do that and use our lemons and turn them into lemonades. And let's serve God to the glory of his holy name. Notice also Jesus prayed about his accomplishment. He did not only pray about his assistance, but he prayed about his accomplishment. He says it's another focus of his prayer. For you granted him authority, he says, over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you give him, uh, you give, you're giving him. Now this is eternal life, he says, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He says to the Lord, I have finished my work, and it is the work that you give me to do that I have finished. What is this accomplishment that the church uh, has to do today that Jesus carried out? The accomplishment is eternal life. Jesus came to give eternal life. Why? Because the life that we live on this earth is going to end at some point. Every person in this room is destined to die. And that life is going to end at some point. And God did not design us to live a temporal life. The design, his plan originally was that man would live forever. And the evil one came and changed that. He switched the, switched the order that God has put into place from the beginning and made us to die away from this earth. And Jesus came back to reclaim us and give us back that life. That's what this scripture is talking about. He says that I've come to give them eternal life. And everyone in this room, God hopes that for us, that we will receive that so that one day when we pass on from this atmosphere, we will spend eternity with him there in heaven. This is Jesus' ultimate purpose for dying on the cross because man could not pay for his sin. You and I cannot pay for our sins. There is nothing we can do. The Bible says that our, our righteousness is just like filthy rags before God. So no matter how holy we seem to be, no matter how good we may seem to be, our righteousness is just like filthy rags before God. And that's why we need Jesus. So God sent his son in the world to come and die on the cross to give us this life because we could not earn it on our own. And Jesus is telling us in this prayer that I have accomplished that. Now, do you know why the church still exists on the earth? We are here for this very same reason, to pass on eternal life to those who are not saved so that they will obtain this life. Because the life that we live on this earth is not promised to anyone. Anyone can die at any time. We can die at a young age, you can die at an old age, you can die at a middle age. Life is not promised to any of us, but God has given us something that is hopeful, something we can hope in, and it is the life that he has given. It is in this eternal life that we baptize little Henry this morning, because why it is true, what a baptism that this baby enters into this life, 
with the Lord. And he's calling us to this. So the accomplishment continues. Jesus did his part and he left the earth. It is the church's responsibility to continue to go out and let our light shine in the world so that the world will see God's goodness and glorify his name and come to him as well. So we pray that we will be inspired by this message to look upward, to look inward in prayer, looking at the mission that God has called us to. The last part is Jesus' prayer had an onward focus. So he had an upward focus, an inward focus, and an onward focus. Look in John 17, verses 6 through 11. It reads, he says, I have revealed you to those whom you give me out of the world. They were yours, you give them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you give, you've given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you give me, and they accepted them. They know with certainty that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. For they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus prays for their preservation in this prayer. He, he, he's, he's looking out onward. He knows that there will be thieves and ravenous wolves coming in to steal the sheep. And he's praying for the protection of the sheep because the devil and his false prophets will come to try to steal the sheep away. And God is praying for that. Jesus is praying for that protection of the church. Do you see how the world has marginalized the church? How the world has ostracized the church? How the world has persecuted the church? And amidst all of what they've done, the church remains standing and the church has not fallen. And the reason the church has not fallen is because Jesus committed the church into the hands of the Father. That no matter what the devil does, no matter what the world does, no matter how the cosmic system changes, the word of God remains constant and his church will stand forever through all our times. Give him a hand of praise this morning. The work of God. And so he's out there. And, and, but Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus come with abundant life to give to us. And that's why we seek that from him. In Matthew 7 verse 15, he tells us, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Watch out for them. They come and act like they are sent from God, but they're not sent from God because the message they're bringing is not one that proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus prays, Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me. What is that name? It is the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is powerful and like no other name. Jesus prays that prayer, the name you gave me, 
What is that name he's talking about? The name of Jesus Christ. You shall call his name Jesus. That's, that's, that's the angel told uh, uh, Joseph. You shall call his name Jesus because he will what? Save his people from their sins. He is the deliverer. And so when you are uh, going through situations in your life, call on the name Jesus. When life seems to bring you down low, call on that name Jesus. Because that name, there is something about that name. There's something about that name, the name Jesus. Oh, how we need to call on him. When we're going through burdens, when we're going through trials, and life seems to be wearing us down, we need to call on the name Jesus because he is the only one who is able to keep us from falling. We thank God for these words this morning and I pray that they encourage us in our faith, knowing always that God will never bring us this far once we trust him and leave us. He will never teach you to swim and let you drown. God will never build his home in you and move away or lift you up and let you down. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.